0: thanks for joining us today for the ramp church podcast we pray that you will be encouraged and empowered by this week's message and you would encounter god wherever you're listening from if you'd like to know more about ramp church manchester or would like to partner with us in giving visit us over on our website ramp.church mcr or find us on social media now let's go into this week's message to the message. A couple neat uh, events happening in Ramp Church. You just heard of a whole list of events from Josh, but I just want to highlight April 10th. And we just had our, our most incredible Serve Team Sunday ever a few weeks ago, and more people than have ever signed up before all at once came and said, I want to be a part of the story that God is writing through Ramp Church and in, in meeting needs in our city and Preaching the good news of Jesus and bringing hope to so many people. And they're, they're really stepping into the story of, of what the Bible would call the better life. And I don't know about you, but I want, I want to be in that story. I want to be in the better life story. The Bible says it like this, that it's better to give than it is to receive. And so when you step into that serving posture, what you're doing is you're saying, I want to be a part of that better life that God has promised when I give. And you know what? Science even even backs this up, that, that our brains are hardwired to receive satisfaction and fulfillment when we give to others. So April 10th is a really important day in, in that, that process for all of us, that story. And it is where we're going to have after service, we're going to have in-person and online service there. But after service, whether you've been serving for years or you're brand new, we're going to have a serve team, essential training, And we're also going to eat together. We're going to have lunch together and celebrate what God's done, connect on what he's going to do in the future and how we can be a part of that. So if you're serving, you need to be there on April 10th, and I cannot wait to connect um, around that, that vision. So we're in the middle of a chapter here at Ramp Church, a teaching series that is focusing on the great commandment of Jesus and the great commission. So what does it mean to love God, to love one another, and to be commissioned for what he's up to, to join what he's up to in the earth. And it's been an incredible series. And I, my last few messages have focused on what does it look like to love each other well? How can we understand the needs that really we're hardwired with? And then how can we have kind of the discernment, the sensitivity to understand what those needs are and then meet them in each other's lives? And what we found, what we've discovered through this chapter is that the right relational nutrients in our lives make all the difference. That you and I are hardwired to need certain things from other people. And we can, as as relational beings, we can understand what those needs are. And when when you start to realize that sometimes I need to be present for somebody, or I need to say these certain types of life-giving words, or maybe I need to bring a challenge to them in the right way. Um, at the right time, that those nutrients bring life and vibrancy to our relationships. And ultimately, they're about learning how to love people well. And so um, we focused on how the fact that wherever your starting point is at, in God and in relationships, you can learn to give the right relational nutrients. Uh, That's good news. It's good news for you. It's good news for me because because maybe your home life wasn't that great growing up. Maybe you feel like there's some foundation, some some foundational stones in your relationship that you wish were different. Well, whatever that starting point is, you can learn and you and I can improve to have better, more life-giving relationships. So the last time I spoke, I spoke on life-giving words and how to use them. The time before that, I spoke on what does it look like to be present for others. Just your presence can be a nutrient in other people's lives, and today I'm talking about truth-filled words and how to use them. Truth-filled words and how to use them. I want to start reading from John chapter 1, so turn there with me. We're going to start in verse 14, and then we're going to read in 16 through 18. So John chapter 1, Jesus's early follower called John is writing about Jesus coming to earth. And of course, we know from scripture that Jesus was the image of the invisible God. And so if you're wondering, what does God look like in heaven? A good place to start and end is Jesus. And so let's, let's read in John 1, verse 14. And the word, that's one of John's favorite words for Jesus. And the word or Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. We've seen God's glory. Glory as of the only son from the Father. Look at this phrase. Full of grace and truth. Go down to verse 16. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Multiple layers and waves of grace you and I have received. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus has made him known to us. I love this concept of Jesus coming with grace and truth because we live in a culture where it's often one or the other, isn't it? You Think about relationships. I mean, think about just even societal issues or cultural hotspots that come up. It's like there's either grace or or truth involved, where uh, we, we live in this time where the cancel culture is a thing, right? Where it's almost like truth is prevailing to the point that grace has no place in that storyline. So if there's an injustice, if there's a wrong done, if, someone, if there's a failure that someone has, and rightly we judge that as, well, that shouldn't have happened or that should have been done differently. And that's right, that's truth. It's truth looking at a situation that should be done better or differently and going, ah, that needs to be adjusted. But sometimes it lacks grace. I mean, the whole fact, I'm glad that my family doesn't have a cancel perspective towards me because I screw up enough that they could have canceled me. I do want them to see me rightly, the truth aspect, but I want it to be done with grace, with the empowerment that I feel like they believe I can get beyond that. And then sometimes our culture focuses on a grace-only perspective. So there's such, a, there's such an acceptance of people that we feel like there's no room for truth even, or truth is, is something that we, we we so relativize that there's no place in grace for truth. But one of the things I love about the Jesus story, and this is true Christianity, is that it gives us the opportunity to step into the story of both grace and truth. That grace is something that empowers us to live beyond our current circumstances, our current um, um, our, our current situation, even our current weaknesses or pain, and it empowers us to step into all that God's promised. But the only way we can truly identify where we are and where we need to be is if we have some sort of gauge of truth. So there's no even purpose for grace unless there's also truth. And that's, that's what Jesus has done for us. If you're wondering, Jesus is at the same time a mirror. He allows you and I to see who we really are, our true condition. He allows us to see what's actually going on, on the inside. But he's also a truth gauge. So, so we can then see what is his perfect design. So truth is going to tell me what I really look like. And then it's going to show me how far I need to go. to to be the ideal me, to be the ideal human. And that is brutal in and of itself. But the beautiful thing about the Jesus following life is he didn't just come with truth, he came with grace. Mm -hmm. And grace is the ability to look at the brutal truth of where I am and where I'm going and realize that the Holy Spirit is empowering me from the inside out to, to, to take me from where I am, to give me freedom from my past pains, my hangups, my hurts, my addictions, my brokenness, my behaviors, and, and grace is, is empowering me to take me into the fullness of, of who God has called me to be, how he's called me to behave, how he's called me to think and feel and view the world and those around me. That's the invitation. That's the invitation that Jesus is giving you and me. And if you've yet to kind of step into that storyline, I actually want to give you that invitation. That today you don't hear in this message a self-help guide. You don't hear an invitation primarily to be a member of a church. That today you hear in this message, in our time together, in the worship that we just had, in the prayer and worship we're going to have in a, in a moment, you hear an invitation to follow Jesus in the journey of grace And truth and today you're gonna receive grace if you open your heart and grace is gonna give you the courage and the power to look at the truth with eyes wide open and then say I know you're gonna take me into all you have for my life Lord today so let's take that reality now into our everyday relationships so your relationship as as a spouse or a partner or a friend a parent a son or a daughter, uh, a work colleague, maybe even a business owner. Whatever your relational space is, let's take this truth, these realities of both grace and truth, and let's let's figure out how how to have, how to understand truth-filled words and how to use them to have incredible relationships. So I wanna talk to you about the first category or the first set of nutrients in truth-filled words. And you can follow along with the slides the screen. The first one is clarification, clarification. And when we enter into relationships and it's time to use words that are beyond just encouragement, which is what we talked about last time. And we've, we've decided this isn't just a me being there for somebody. That's a presence nutrients. We talked about that a couple times ago, but now it's time for me to actually bring some adjustment to what I feel like maybe somebody's thinking or they're believing the first step. Is what we call clarification and clarification is when you help someone turn down the distractions in their mind in their heart in their life and to help them find the answers that they already have I'm sure you've I'm sure you have have had someone do this in your own life where uh, The conversation is not as much about advice It's more about them asking clarifying questions that help you see through the noise And then find the answer that really you already knew, but life was just too noisy. Your mind was just too noisy. Your emotions were just too noisy to see or to discern. And I'm I'm reminded in in Mark chapter 10, a story of Jesus Jesus interacting with someone who he was ministering to. And the heading in most of your Bibles, (coughs) excuse me, is going to be the rich young ruler, So turn, (coughs) excuse me, turn to Mark chapter 10 and it's verses 17 and 18. This is what it says. And Jesus was setting out on his journey. A man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? (coughs) And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? That, That word why is important in clarifying questions. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So Jesus clarified this man's question, and he's saying, for some reason you're calling me good. Down deep, do you realize that you're also calling me God? What what a powerful clarifying question. Jesus didn't say, do you actually know, rich young ruler, that I'm God? He didn't do that. That would be... That would be a different kind of relational nutrient that's a bit confrontational. Instead, he asked the young man, he said, why do you call me good? What's, what's behind that question? And what he's, what he's helping the young man do is realize you're already assuming something about me, but you're wanting me to answer a surface question. And those kinds of clarification relationships, those relational nutrients can, can genuinely empower us for what we're facing in life, um, not too long ago, I was speaking with a father who was telling me about how he was advising his teenage, his oldest daughter, about um, about her her journey in university, finding university, and deciding which program she wanted to go into, and those sorts of things. And if if you have maybe teenage children, um, you know, at, s- at some points they are they're growing in life to the place where they are ready to make some decisions on their own. And so as parents, that's kind of a new, sometimes journey for us as parents, growing from, as they're, as they're growing into adulthood. And if you're a teenager, you know, you're in, you're in a place where like, I, I feel like I have clarity on what I want and what I'm seeing, and I want somebody to help, help support me in that. Well, this dynamic was happening with this father and this daughter. And the, as often happens is she feels a passion about something that the father didn't realize and, but he has some wisdom that maybe she doesn't, doesn't realize she needs. So what, uh, thankfully what the father didn't do, which much of us do, is he just didn't come in guns blazing with here's my advice, here's what you need to do in life. He, he told me the story and he said he started to ask her clarifying questions. And those, those questions were like, what do you want after your degree? What kind of life do you want in 20 years? And through those clarifying questions, she came to, the, to her own conclusion about what is it that I think I want? I hadn't thought about those questions yet. Well, he didn't offer her advice. What that father rightly did was he helped her clarify what she wanted, anyway. And these here's some here's some tips for you in this kind of relational nutrients. How do you use clarification? Um, first, it's always good uh, it's always good to start these in this kind of truth-filled words category with clarification. In other words, don't come in with advice or challenge or feedback to the person, start by asking questions. So if you're in the place where you feel like this person needs fresh perspective or they're not seeing something, start by asking clarifying questions. Uh, the next one is when a person has a hard time receiving, that's a good time to use this relational nutrients clarification. We, we have to have a hard time receiving because we have extreme emotions about something. Maybe there's a lot on the line or I've been disappointed or frustrated. And I am just not in the place where I can receive advice. I, I really don't want you to tell me what to do. What I need right now is just help me see through the noise. And if that's such a powerful posture to have towards someone else. So when someone has ex- extreme emotions, it's probably best to use this, these relational nutrients. Second, uh, w- uh, certain phases of life. Certain phases of life, we're ready to step out on our own. I just mentioned one a little while ago. And the other one is lack of relational history. Sometimes... Maybe you're just a confrontational person by nature or personality. Well, you need to realize some people you don't have enough relational equity with to bring in a challenge right away and you need to grow in the skill of helping them clarify their own thoughts that that they have they probably already have the answer inside of them and instead of you telling them what it is, lead them to that answer with really well uh, well-worded questions. So the first the first category of life, of truth, uh, truth-filled words and how to use them is clarification. And, and um, uh, this slide uh, on your screen has an example of such a great way to word this. Why do you think you put up with your friends, what could that be, disrespect or they, um, they uh, look over your personal boundaries or interrupt you, whatever it could be. Why do you think you put up with your friends, fill in the blank so much? there has to be a reason for this. So that you're asking, you're kind of posing these questions to your friend to get them to think maybe beyond where they're currently thinking. So clarification number 1. Number 2, the second one is perspective, perspective. So, truth filled words and how to use them. Second second category is perspective. And perspective is to adjust your viewing angle on situations, circumstances, and relationships do you know sometimes the life change you're looking for or the situational change even you're looking for is actually not an external change but it's a shift in the way you're viewing that and I, I remember um, advising um, is really just having a conversation with a colleague of mine who'd stepped out in um, in a big work venture and she prepared a long time for the kind of stepping out into this space and was really discouraged about what seemed to be the results of this or the lack of results. And, and through our conversation, I, I clarified what is it specifically that you're most frustrated about or that, that, that's, that's uh, discouraging to you most about these situations. And through that, I realized there seemed to be a whole area Of this new work venture that she was ignoring to look at. So there were some challenges, some legitimate challenges, and she was recognizing those. But there were also some amazing fruit. So, and all that needed to change was my perspective. Circumstances are exactly the same. We're not talking, we're not talking about changing those circumstances or or you need to do this, you need to do that. It wasn't advice. It's just, what if you just looked at it from this perspective? And that viewing angle was the relational nutrient she needed. So what happened? She goes back into the same exact circumstances, the same exact situations, the same exact relationship. But because she has a fresh angle, a fresh perspective, she feels energized and encouraged to re-engage with those situations. And I'm I'm thinking about um, uh, in Matthew 16. This is a pretty heavy story. You're probably familiar with this. But this shows how actually serious... Wrong perspectives can be in our lives. And this happened between Jesus and Peter, his follower, Peter. Mark 16, verse number 23. Jesus turned to Peter and said to him, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. Now, what was the trap? Was Peter trying to get Jesus into some behavior that, that, was, uh, that was a trap, a, an addiction, um, uh, something immoral? No, look what the trap was. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not God's. Do you realize that some of us, we can be trapped by a perspective, that you're imprisoned by a perspective, that the that what you're missing in this situation or relationship or opportunity in your life is not something that you need as a behavior or a skill or an open door. What you actually need is just a different angle to view it from. And that's what Jesus is realizing. This is how important my perspective is. If, if, I, if I say yes to this perspective that someone who loves me, this is Peter, Peter loves Jesus. They, they want the best for me, but there's something in their perspective that is off. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Th- that perspective is a trap. I know you have good intentions, Peter, but your intentions don't justify your, your wrong perspective. And I can't, in, in a, with a heart to want to support your intentions, I can't say yes to your perspective. So I've, I've got to create separation between that perspective and me because it's a trap for me. It's taking me in a direction that is, that is causing my life and my purpose harm. And you've got to realize, you've got to treat your, your life and perspectives in your life with that kind of ferocity. That there are some things that, that that's not a perspective you need to entertain and how do we know in the midst of all the various perspectives on life? And there are various perspectives. There are so many different ways to interpret even facts um, in, in your life, even truths. There's so many different ways to understand or interpret them. There really are infinite ways. How, how, what gives us an anchor? This word. We have an ancient, we have an ancient book that, that talks about time tested, transcendent interpretations on life situations, what's most important, what we should focus on, what's life-giving, what leads to our flourishing, what, how do we center our lives around, How do I? what's my sources of identity? All of these things are perspectives. And if you have wrong perspectives, you, you, you're gonna step into what then Jesus is saying here. It's a trap, it's dangerous to you. And sometimes the relational nutrient that we need from others and that you need to give to others is this relational nutrient of perspective. Here's an example of how that can sound. It seems that you may be more focused on controlling her behavior rather than helping her grow and learn from her choices. So those kinds of statements, and, and that's just an example of one, is such a perspective changer from someone for someone to give to you. So the first one is clarification. The second category of relational nutrients in truth-filled words is perspective. And the third, is feedback. Feedback and feedback is when we receive a fuller picture of reality that's based on the perspectives and insights of others. So in many ways clarification of course is based on on something we're really already seeing but we need others help to see through the fog or through the distractions or through the emotional energy. And perspectives is 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 helping us to see the same situation from a different angle. Feedback is when we step into to times where I'm not seeing this at all I need someone to step into my world and give me a, a reality-based perspective that's theirs and and feedback kind of has two categories um, if 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 it's invited if I've asked for it, it's feedback if it's uninvited then it becomes confrontation and both of those things are needed in our lives Different ones of us, because of our upbringing, our personalities, we respond to to confrontation differently, but every one of us, all of you watching and me included, we need to be confronted. So perspective is when you adjust your viewing, um, excuse me, feedback is when you receive a fuller picture of reality that's based on the perspective and insights of others. I love this in Mark chapter 9, and these are Jesus' closest followers and they just failed. Basically, they failed in their their work. Um, they failed in their project, their ministry project that they were after. All of us can find ourselves in that story, certainly. And Mark chapter nine, verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine. Uh, this is this is what it says. And when we, and when he, Jesus had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, "Why could we not cast it out? Why did we fail at that?" Jesus. And Jesus said to them, "This kind cannot be driven out." By anything but prayer, and what is Jesus and what what he's talking about? Their prayer is important, but I want you to understand the principle behind that, and that is, G, the disciples said we failed. Why? And Jesus brings feedback, and he said, "This is why you you, you didn't prepare properly. You didn't prepare properly in prayer, and maybe you have a work presentation or uh, or a family situation, relational, and you just went in it and, and kind of winged it. Well." That, we need someone in our life sometimes to go, you should have prepared a bit more. And that kind of feedback is a relational nutrient that you and I need. So um, we, we need to understand in this, this is where grace and truth and the combination of those really matter. Because some of you, you can't wait to confront somebody. It's the way you interact with situations in your life. Well, you need to realize that about yourself. And we're so thankful for you in our relationships. Because sometimes when we're too nervous um, to, or, or, or scared to do something, you have the courage to come and confront what really needs to be confronted. But you need to think, ooh, I need to up the grace element here. Is there an empowerment or this? Or am I just shaming someone or judging them? But we need to understand when we confront, it's got to be rooted in this reality. I am for you. I am for you. And if that's the starting point, you'll be amazed at what somebody is able to receive. So let me give you some tips on confrontation, Ramp Church. This is important for us. So when you confront, when you confront someone else, when you're the one giving feedback or bringing confrontation, ease the person's fears about what you're not saying ease the person's fears about what you're not saying. This is really important for managers or business owners if you have a confrontational meeting with one of your employees, and hopefully you do often. This doesn't just need to happen at your annual review. As someone who leads a charity, I can just give you that advice. If you're not giving feedback regularly, then your your teams are not operating at their full potential. So when you bring that feedback, you need to you need to acknowledge what you're not saying. So if it's a huge confrontation, you need to go, "Hey, your job is secure, All right, your job is secure. That's not in jeopardy. I'm this, this doesn't have anything to do with that. And your role and what you're doing is really important and it's key. But I want to adjust that specific behavior or that specific thing you did or that specific failure. So you need to, you need to address and ease the fears about what you're not saying. Number two, you need to separate the issue from the person. I like to call this hands and heart. And oftentimes in confrontation, it's hard for a person to tell are you judging my heart or my intentions or what I did? And it's you've got you can't see a person's heart and their intentions. God's the only person who can see their heart and their intentions. So the place where you start this is to go. I'm going to assume the best for what I can't see, and then I'm going to address and confront and give feedback on what I can see, and that's the behaviors or the words or the the failure to communicate or whatever it could be, the failure to do what I what I said I would do. And then you go, hey, I know deep down this is not something you want to do, but I just want to let you know that behavior was harmful. That behavior was, 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 not, was not life-giving. And so let's talk about how we can adjust our behavior because I know really down deep you want to bring Um, Something positive or good to this so separate the issue from the person number three when you confront Make a doable and a specific takeaway. So there's not this hazy. What do I do from here? So that's that's just some words of advice when you are confronted So this is the, the other half of that when you're the one being confronted if the person is for you Let their motive sink in if the person is for you let their motive sink in and sometimes that takes some mental gymnastics you are disciplined in your mind to just continue to remind yourself they're for me this advice is for me this feedback is for me this this confrontation this is what i need these truth-filled words are what i need in my life i can tell you peter was not excited to hear jesus call him satan Okay, He was not celebrating. He was not throwing a party. He was not like, man, this confrontation is amazing. Jesus cares so much about me right now. He probably had to unpack that a bit in his own world. But something in him had the discipline to go, actually, I know Jesus. And those words sound like he he's not for me, but I know his heart. And when you're receiving confrontation, that's important. You've got to know someone's heart. And when you can Keep yourself in that place. It's incredibly important for, for, for married couples, for you to remember, ah, oh, they're for me, 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 they're for me. Now I can rightly receive the feedback and the confrontation. Number two, be open and resist being defensive. And that's that's pretty simple, practical, but it's hard, isn't it? Just resist being defensive. Just say, I'm not gonna be defensive. I'm not gonna be defensive. I'm gonna be open. And then number three, if their points are accurate, adopt them, adopt them, Just implement them. One of the best ways you can build trust in your relationships is to take someone's confrontation not and not to hyper-focus on the way it was given and find the truth in it and then apply it to your life and then then demonstrate to the people in your world that it matters, your feedback and in, in, in your confrontation in my life. Here's an example of the way that could sound on your screen right here. I'm concerned you're neglecting your, it could be whatever it is, by being distracted with other things, your health. Uh, your relationships, your work priorities. I'm concerned you're neglecting your by being distracted with other things. If that continues, you may lose that relationship, and that's comfort. That's a hard truth, isn't it? But do you sense the you sense the grace in it? Like there's a there's a there's a spirit, there's a heart that's for that person. I I don't want you to lose this relationship. I want you to be all that you can be. And so that's why I'm going to bring this to you. You know, in closing. I'm so thankful that our relationship with Jesus is not not governed by the world's way, our culture's standard of the way to do life, but that Jesus himself has postured towards you and I with grace and truth. And I want to read this psalm over you, and I want to pray over you, and then then um, Emma's going to come back up to, to lead us in, in, in a time of worship. And, and you can just turn your home or uh, your bedroom, wherever you're watching, into a place of prayer. But I'm reminded of Psalms 103, um, verse 8, and then 10 through 12 are just amazing. It says this, The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast He doesn't deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities or our brokenness. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our our transgressions from us. You know what I love about this verse? God's posture towards you and I is this, and it's not in spite of, excuse me, it's it's not because he doesn't see the truth of where we really are. If his love was as high as the heavens above the earth and he didn't have the ability to understand what really our brokenness or our issues were, that would, that would be one thing. But he sees with perfect truth, with perfect clarity, who you and I are down to the, the fibers of the very fabric of our soul, yet... His posture is to be love and grace-giving. There's another important phrase in here that I want to point out. It's in verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. And that, that reverence, that posture of reverence and awe towards God is key in this journey. Because recognizing that he is the one who sees all. He is the one with ultimate truth, that holds ultimate truth. And that our relationship to that, that it, that it engenders in us this response of awe. What the Bible says, fear. That there is a humility I take towards this truth holding God. And that posture, what does it do? What does the scripture say here? Then it postures me to receive this this love that's beyond what I can even fathom. I want to invite you into that story today because I know, Ramp Church, we can't live out these thriving, flourishing, truth-filled, life-giving relationships if we don't have a source from that ourselves. You can't find all of that inside yourself, but you can find it in a God who sees all, and loves all, all at the same time. So I want to pray over you, um, and pray over us, to receive this word in a fresh way. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus. That when we couldn't see the, the, the truth, and when we didn't have the grace to keep walking, you sent Jesus who came in with both truth and with grace. And I pray for every person watching. I pray for myself, God that we would see the truth of who you are that we would see the truth of who we are in light of your greatness and your goodness that truth would drive us into fear and awe in the, in the most beautiful life-giving way father but that, that 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 brutal reality would also drive us to cry out for grace for mercy for your love, God. And today, as as Ramp Church, as every person watching is crying out for fresh grace, fresh love, fresh mercy, and to be the people who you've called us to be, I just ask that your spirit would move even now, leading us into the truth that you have promised for us, into the grace that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.